Welcome back, listeners. Well, it's just me today. Well, it's not just me, but we're missing Barry. We've got we've got somebody like Barry. We've got Ari, and it's A-R-I. Yeah, so we've got Ari with us. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about the partners. Before we talk about and get you excited about uh, Ari and the product that he's got and lots of interesting stuff. Uh, we're going to go through our partners of the podcast. So first up, we have Canna and they are canna.uk.official on Instagram. And they also have TikTok now. So go and check them out on TikTok. One of the most forward thinking companies. Check out Canna and canna-uk.com. All your nutrient needs, everything you need to know about growing with liquid nutrients, check out Canna. Autopot at are at Autopot underscore global or Autopot Cultivation Consultancy and their website is autopot.co.uk. Check them out for gravity fed, no electricity, very clean, very a great way of growing plants in a system with using no electricity. Fantastic. And a system for every grower as well. Go and check them out at Autopot. Next up, Sunlight. They are Sunlight underscore LED and Sunlight UK. Check their website out at sunlight.com. They are LEDs. If you're right in the middle of summer now, it's getting warm. Change those HPSs out for LEDs. You're going to be able to crack on in the summer when normally you're putting things to bed. Next up, we have Can Filters. Everything you need for air and extraction. Instagram, they are Airwin Can Filters and canfilters.nl. And their website is canfilters.nl. If you're not growing in a room, and you'd rather grow in a tent, then it's got to be Budbox. Budbox Grow Tents on Instagram and budboxgrowtents.com. Check them out. The innovators of growing tents. White lined, silver lined, military grade zips. You will not go wrong with a Budbox tent. Next up, we have Gavita, the legends of horticultural lighting. They are Gavita International, uh, Gavita North America, and their website is gavita.com. Everything from lamps to shades to ballasts everything you need to light up a room you can get from Gavita and last but by no means least we have Garden Culture Garden Culture Magazine on Instagram and GardenCultureMagazine.com big shout out to Eric and Celia love you lots and thank you very much for being a partner right there are partners we're going to get into the interesting conversation right after Coatsy puts the intro here I know people tune in every Sunday to listen, but even when business is good, we still manage to do the podcast.
it's usually a harmonica part in this section, but I don't have it here with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for now. Well, that was a that's a, that's the first time we've ever introed with the guitar. Right. So on, right. you are the first out of two hundred and forty-two episodes. The first one to to have a guitar on the podcast. I just happened to see it and, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> you tuned it, fixed it, cleaned it, and now it's singing like a bird. Yeah, I hadn't played in a while, so I just saw it and had to had to <laughs> had to play it. You had to get into it. Exactly. So we have Ari on the MPK Live podcast. Firstly, thank you very much for joining us. You've literally landed in the UK today. What time did you leave? I left Israel at 12.55 a.m. last night and uh, flew to Turkey, landed in Turkey at around 3.30 a.m. in the morning, and then from there flew direct to Manchester at uh, and landed at uh, 9.50 in the morning. So I've been here a few hours now. Very l- nice. Luckily for me, there's not a lot of uh, time difference between Israel and here, so not really jet-lagged. Amazing. So thank you very much for dropping into Liverpool on your, on your, is it a 10-day trip around the UK? Exactly, yeah. Amazing. And first first time I've been back in the UK since I was 16, so it's a, it's, yeah? it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, and first time, you know, with uh, roaming around for work. Yeah, so you with um, Jay from Highlight, aren't you? He's taking you around the UK. Have you been to Liverpool before? No. Are you staying in Liverpool tonight? I'll be staying in Liverpool tonight, yeah. So we're travelling around the UK with Jay. With Jay. And Highlight. And we're talking about Dynamico. Absolutely. Tell me, I know about Dynamico. Well, we sell it because, we'll tell you something now, we test 99% of the products that we sell in the shop. We have to, to make informed decisions. But if it's sold by Highlight and it's recommended by Jay, gets onto the shelf much quicker. So we'll do an order and we bought some little sample sachets as well. This works really well. So straight off the block, Dynamico is a tried and tested MPK product. So off the back of that, tell me a little bit about the history of it. What's your role within Dynamico? How long has it been going? Give me a bit of the background of it. So it's tried and tested. It's based on uh, over 30 years of R&D in Israel. And we launched in April of 2019, so three years ago, just over three years ago. And the first year, I've been with the company for four and a half years. And the first year of my involvement within the company was to do, we were doing um, research on uh, in Israel, right? We're, we're a company based out of Israel, and Israel is the uh, pioneer of medical cannabis yeah, in the yeah. world. And we were doing trials with medical uh, cannabis strains and growers in Israel. And that's where we collected our data and all the information on the product. So that's where it started out from. Obviously, it's you can use it on a wide array of plants. And you can use it for your cucumbers, peppers, tomatoes, garlic, onion, basically... All your uh, all all your plants, and except for brassicas, so no uh, no cauliflower, broccoli, spinach. Uh, okay, what's what's the sketch there? How come you not you they, shouldn't use it on them? Well, it's not that you shouldn't, but they just uh, they don't associate with uh, mycorrhizal fungi. They uh-huh. deter uh, mycorrhizal fungi. So if you're uh, if you have a garden which you're companion planting, or if you grow. Uh, brassicas, and then the following year you grow a plant which is an obligate mycotroph, which means that it requires mycorrhiza to grow optimally, such as corn, olives, cannabis, for instance. Then um, 
those plants aren't going to grow as well as they would if with the presence of mycorrhizal fungi. That's mad. Yeah. And do they do they like exude anything out the roots? Do they give off something that detects? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, do we know what that compound I, is? I don't know exactly. I don't remember what it's called, but it's it is a compound which um, it deters mycorrhizal fungi. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder then if anyone has created a product where they've extracted this compound out of the cabbages and broccolis and sprouts. Mustards. Mustards. Yep. Celery. Um, no, celery, you, you can't. good? Yeah, yeah. So broccoli, sprouts, all them sorts, the brassicas. I wonder if someone's, I wonder then, if you had a really healthy grown plant, you harvest the plant, I wonder if you got the roots, blended them up, and then put them if as I, like an anti-micro, anti-fungi product. So if, if I'm not mistaken, there was a company that uh, we were in touch with in Canada that was doing something similar as a uh, natural uh, uh, fungicide. Yeah. Using it. And, um, but I think they, they went on, moved on to other, other stuff since. Uh, people love chemicals for some yeah, reason. They don't yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. they, well, don't, they don't like natural stuff for some reason. You know what I did back in the day and I've only done it once because it stinks and if you've, Done it yourself, you'll you'll know the smell. But I talk about it quite often on the podcast because I think everyone should do it once. Basically, I went nettle foraging. So about 2014, 15, I'm doing all me, when I was doing my most research around hydroponics and hydroponic growing, all of the elements, I'm a bit sciencey, a bit geeky at heart. And I came across silica. And I was looking, and silica in 2014, 15 in the UK wasn't a really big additive me and jay were talking about how silica just blew up over the last few years i'm telling you so yeah. it was all potassium silicate in 2014-15 i might be mistaken but i don't remember there being mono uh i don't remember them being in the uk at least so i'm researching this element and i'm like okay so it's it's not an, it's an, not an essential set one of the 17 essential plant nutrients but it protects against Overwatering, un- underwatering, uh, too high in EC, too low in EC, too hot, too cold, strengthens the cells, makes it hard for pests to consume uh, and eat the chlorophyll, makes the plants makes the plant leaves potentially bigger because they're stronger. The plant can support itself because it's strong. All these amazing benefits. I was like, and and we're adding potassium silicate, which is mostly potassium, and you're just about getting silicate out there, and it raises the pH. This is mad. So I looked at better ways of getting silica and there's the natural way is nettles. So you pull off the nettles from the stem. You've got to get a kilo of really good green nettle leaf and you put it into, off the top of my head, it was five liters or 10 liters of water. It might be a liter per kilo or 10 liters per kilo. So you'd add it all in and then you put a lid on it and you leave it to ferment for two weeks and you check the the lid every now and again and you know it's fermented when it starts to bubble so you strain all of the gunk out and what you're left is the raw high nitrogen high silica from the i forget the proper word for them but the nettle stings they they're pure silica and they uh, break down and you feed your plants this absolute horse manure shit oh if you get it on your hands you don't get it off for weeks and you dilute it down a little bit actually you put like 250 ml of this to 750 ml of water spray it on your plants and oh my god the difference was unbelievable have you ever smelt it have you ever tried it i've only read articles about the smell <laughs> <laughs> haven't tried it yet oh it's bad it's like it's really bad yeah. and people were spraying it in the houses 
because it become I'd see a bottle it up, seal it up, and it said I think it lasted two or three weeks. And I was just I was actually giving it away in the shop on my first batch, and people coming in going, "Listen, my plants have never looked so good." but my missus has kicked me out the house. She said she can't have that smell in there. It's horrific, but it's natural. Yeah. And so that's a really interesting bit of a side story off of the why people use chemicals yeah. and not natural If you had added maybe, you know, a little uh, perfume to it also might have... Uh, might have lasted yeah. a bit longer. Might have actually made some sales. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But yeah, when it comes to a lot of microbials. They have funky smells and a lot of ferments have funky smells and people, you know, especially if they're growing indoors, they don't want to deal with that at all. Yeah, 100%. It's kind of understandable. So what is it that makes Dynamicro? Because there's a lot of microbial products on the market, um, a lot of good ones. What I really was interested in, and again, this is when I was really getting in, after Kate, after did my silica research, I started looking at uh, microbes and we did a big PGR campaign. Long-time listeners of the podcast will know the PGR campaign we did. So there's good PGRs or natural PGRs and there's the synthetic ones, the bad ones. And there was a, there's a lot of PGRs, well, there's quite a few PGRs in some products that get sold in the UK and people don't know. So we did a big campaign, test your nutrients, buy an independent lab and get it stick it get it mpk approved we did that and it worked a treat like uh, quite a few companies signed up my next thing to go and look into was microbes and i'm going to pick up the back of the packet because we see on here it's got all the relevant all the relevant uh, information what i wanted to get into is it's really easy to write on the back of a packet xxx proper ghouls per gram um i think there's another way of saying it, isn't there? There's proper girls program and there's another word that I'm... You're looking for CFUs. CFUs, yes. CFUs are for uh, microbes, bacteria. that's the one. We're brushing up, we're we're brushing off the cobwebs. So CFUs for bacteria, proper girls per gram for For fungi. fungi. How do we know that, because I know Dynamico is a stand-up company and with Israel being, I'm a scientist, We've got a science background, a lot of research, not just for hydroponics and for growing, a lot of research. That's Israel some of the top scientists in the world, hands down. So if this product comes out of Israel and it's been tested by Highlight and we've tested it, we know it's 99% going to do what it says on the packet. But there's a lot of mischievous companies out there. Is there any way of knowing or is there some light you can shed on this whole? So you've got, Glomus intraradices. Intraradices, yeah. That's the one. 700 propagules per gram, and that's 19,840 propagules per ounce. Now, even for me, I know a little bit. That doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. So can you sort of shed a little bit of light on on that? Yeah, so we have uh, in Dynamico 700 propagules per gram of uh, Glomus intraradices and then another 200 propagules per gram of Glomus mase. So these are two different species of mycorrhizal fungi and they are endomycorrhizal fungi, which means that they penetrate into the cells of the roots of the plant. And from there, they start branching out into the soil or cocoa or growing media, whichever one you're using. And that's when they start pulling in nutrients for the plant and water for the plant. The when, when you're searching and looking for mycorrhizal fungi products, you want to make sure that you know what's inside it, right? So if it doesn't say what's on the what's inside the product, there's nothing on the label that already should raise a few red flags for you because you know it's like it would be like 
the equivalent of you buying, you know, a nutrient line and not having it say what the NPK content is. Okay. So if, if that's what the first thing to people look out for, what if they get this common answer? We don't put it on the packet because we don't want people to copy us. Is that a good enough response? I would highly, I, I'd be very... Uh, Dubious. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there's nothing really to hide when when you're talking about your active ingredients, right? On the contrary, if you're not, if you're not open and, and, you know, willing to share what's on in your product, then I, I, it, it raises questions, you yeah. know, why, um, why aren't you revealing what's inside the product? You yeah. know, so, some, some people are replying saying that, well, what's to stop somebody who can get access to the intradices and Moshea or Moshea, what's to stop somebody else from just going, oh, that's what Dynamico have got at 700 propagules and 200 propagules. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and put 800 propagules in and 300 propagules in and make a, in inverted commas, better product. What Like that's what some of these arguments would be. We want to keep it secret because somebody will copy us. Well, the tough thing with mycorrhizal fungi is that it's difficult to produce com- yeah. compared to uh, bacteria. And so... Uh, our one of our competitors um, is at 300 propagules per gram, and they were considered for years like the the top standard and you know super concentrated product. And then all of a sudden we came out and we're at 900, which is you know three times that concentration. And we don't see a lot of products with with high concentrations. For the most part, it's very low concentrations of fungi because it's difficult to produce in in large numbers at a cost-effective uh, yeah. number, right? So if, if you do have high numbers of propagules, for the most part, it'll cost a lot of money. Yeah. Now, that's one thing. The second thing is that not a lot of companies actually produce their own mycorrhizal fungi because it's a difficult uh, operation to, to, to create. And because of that, a lot of companies end up outsourcing their fungi. There's only so much you can... Um, outsource at a certain price to make your product still competitive. And so most products out there have a much lower concentration and a much higher application rate than what we have. Yeah. Um, and then, so that's one of the things which is difficult to, to copy. Our production method is very unique. We don't reveal how we uh, pr- produce it because if we if we had a patent on it, we would uh, basically reveal to the world how we manufacture and, and produce our fungi, which is not something that we want to do. So it's our yeah. it's our IP, and then the types of strains that we use inside of Dynamico are very unique. The main strain of Glomus enteratices was isolated in the Dead Sea region. Um, by Professor Yoram Kapolnik, who was uh, head of the uh, Volcani Agricultural Research Organization in Israel, which is a government-backed organization. And he isolated this strain about 34, 35 years ago in the, in the 80s. And he was studying mycorrhizal fungi, and he picked up a bunch of products which were available at the time and did research and saw absolutely no benefit from uh, these products. And he realized that if he was going to research mycorrhizal fungi properly, he's going to have to find strains and cultivate them himself and then do research. And that's exactly what he did. So he went to literally the saltiest area in the world, which is the Dead Sea. 
and uh, found some plants which were able to survive in that heat and salinity in the in the soil. And he cultivated some of the fungi, and from there he started doing his research. and And lo and behold, he really saw these noticeable dif- differences in in plants treated with fungi versus plants that weren't treated with the fungi, and that's uh, biotic and abiotic stressors. So from giving the plants less water and still seeing, you know, increases in yields or giving them less fertilizer and still seeing that or uh, putting them into uh, pathogen infested uh, plots and seeing what happened to the plants. And, you know, all in all, the, the, the results were much more favorable to the plants that had the mycorrhizal fungi inside them. So fast forward, you know, about 30 years and um, here I am doing these trials with with medical cannabis uh, companies in Israel and seeing massive differences in plant growth and uh, yield and plant health and and color and all these other you know just huge differences that you can see and if if you go on to our uh, Instagram or, or uh, YouTube you'll be able to see some of the videos as well what is your Instagram and YouTube it's at dynomyco d-y-n-o-m-y-c-o and same thing for YouTube as well and uh, yeah, you can just see just massive differences in the plants, and um, the proof is in the pudding, as they yeah, say. Yeah, so get out there and start. What would after you've listened to the podcast? Don't just cut us short. Still, loads of good information to go. But after the podcast, we'll we'll say the names again at the end, just to remind you. But go and check that out. Um, so, am I correct? Would I be correct in saying that mycorrhizal are a plant's secondary root system? Would that be a correct way of describing how mycorrhizal work? So if you were to go back about 450 million years ago, you'd be talking about the first, the primary root system, because when plants, um, you know, they went from aquatic life to, you know, uh, land, they didn't have any root systems. Mm. And they relied on these fungi to pull in the nutrients and water for them. But as plants evolved, uh, they they evolved, they developed these root systems, but they still needed the fungi to perform certain tasks. So the fungi, um, they now are a secondary root system and they allow the plants to absorb nutrients which are physically and chemically out of the plant's reach. So um, the the fungi, the hyphal strain, uh, the hyphal strands are a lot smaller than than roots, and they're able to penetrate into root, uh, you know, very very small nooks and crannies in soil. Um, and they're also able to, they secrete enzymes, which the plant doesn't. And these enzymes are uh, break down chemical binds in the soil when you're applying, you know, ph- uh, phosphorus into your soil, it can bind and, and get locked. And without the help of fungi, it'll stay in the soil. But with the fungi, it'll be able to pull it into the plant. Yeah. What would you say if, if, if people don't use mycorrhizal products and they're growing indoors, would you say there's anybody that shouldn't be using mycorrhizal fungi or should everybody that's growing indoors or everybody just growing in general, it, it, can any, everybody benefit from using mycorrhiza? If you're growing brassicas, then no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> just a waste um, of money. I, I Yeah, for, for the most part, it's, it's definitely beneficial. And I... You know, I'm I'm biased, but I look at everybody and I cannot believe people still don't use mycorrhizal fungi because yeah. it's just, it's an insurance policy. That's that's the way I look at it, that, you know, 
worst case, you used it and nothing happened. But if if things go sour and you you uh, forget to water or um, you overwater or you know your pH is out of whack and uh, stuff like that, then the fungi have a huge role and can literally save your crop mm. that level. Um, if you're growing in certain types of hydroponic media, like uh, or an aeroponic, for instance, and you know if you're in a DWC system and you apply the product to the water, the fungi might not latch onto the uh, to the roots and not penetrate into the roots and create that symbiotic relationship. So you might not benefit from it. So it's really important to know when to apply the product and how to apply the product also. Right. So if we're in DWC, personally, my favorite way of growing, um, I would always, I inoculated um, one. As soon as you take the cotton, you've got roots. I'm trying to inoculate as soon as I can. First, first transplant, I'm inoculating. Second transplant, if I do one, I'll inoculate again. And then final transplant, in DWC, I tended to use it like a ceramus. And I would inoculate even in the ceramus just so like it's, first contact's been made like you say once it's in the water it just didn't it used to go quite gloopy I've tried it um, mm. you, it goes gloopy and you're just thinking it's not really got any benefit so it, as long as you've made that first contact on them very first set of roots is that good enough? That's the most important one actually yeah yeah the earlier you apply it in the plant's life the better off the plant is also another thing is that the uh, the mycorrhizal fungi when they penetrate uh, the plants they penetrate at the root tips yeah so if you're top dressing, a lot of times you can't guarantee that it'll actually get down to those roots, okay. those root tips and, and make a difference. So definitely when, uh, when you're considering, you know, if you are considering using mycorrhizal fungi, the earlier in the plant's life, the better off you are. And then at every transplant, you do want to inoculate it again, just because you can help prevent uh, uh, transplant shock and it just, the plant's you know, they don't skip a beat with it in the, in the growing media. Amazing. I need your piece. Okay, so that is a brilliant top tip. Literally, the f- the micro-eyes have got to penetrate the tip, top tip. Exactly. <laughs> Let's have a look how Dynamico says to, for the application instructions. So suitable for horticultural nursery, initial planting of seeds, clones or seedlings, we use one teaspoon of Dynamico per pint or 10.5 grams per litre of grow media. Use it uniformly in the grow media before planting. What's the difference between the ones that you place in like a concentrated powder and the one that you spread evenly all around the soil. What's the difference in benefit there? Well, basically, as I said, as um, because the fungi can only penetrate at the root tips, if you only have it at the uh, in the planting hole, then once they've passed the planting hole, there's no more fungi to latch on. So ideally, you'd want to mix it into the growing media and also place it directly in the planting hole for the most benefit. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, like I said, just because as the plant, um, as the plant roots expand in the soil, they're, they're, um, they're excreting hormones, which call, you know, these, they're at 
0.3 PPT, so parts per trillion. And the fungi are actually able to sense this uh, hormone. And it's like a call to action for the fungi to, to make its way towards the plant. Now, the plant also, uh, it lets down its guard. So it, its immune system is suppressed to allow this fungus to penetrate into its root system. Um, and so, like I said, the earlier, the better off it is. And if it's spread out, you're going to allow the plant uh, multiple uh, chances to meet these fungi along the way as these roots grow out into your pot. Yeah. So like, of course we get, as the roots grow, we don't just have a few root tips as they grow, they create new root tips. And if Multiple. you're just doing a plant and hole, they're missing out on inoculation. Aren't they? Exactly. Boss, none of the boss top tip. Uh, and then on transplantation to large con containers, applied dynamico at one teaspoon per gallon, which is one teaspoon per 1.3, oh no, 1.3 grams per liter, either mixed in grown media or spread in bottom and sides of the planting hole. Um, how long, so I've got a pound, I think this is a pound. 1.6. Yes, 750 grams, 26 ounces, 900 propagules per, plant, per gram, highly potent content. Uh, what's the life of a product like this? Well, it's two years from the moment we've uh, manufactured it. And um, we have to put on an expiration date on the product. Yeah. But um, the product... If, you know, two years from the manufacturing date, if you open the bag, it's not going to, you know, not everything is going to be dead inside it. There's yeah. a degradation to the product. So that doesn't mean that you'll open up the bag and, and uh, you'll find dead spores in it. But, you know, if you open it up within two years and X months, it might not be as concentrated as it was initially. Okay. So like this packet that we've got here, um, <clears throat> If we've not opened this, does this mean that the expiration date is we we can look? Yeah, past it's it. it's not like uh, like milk or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. You, you can still use it for sure. And uh, you know, with the nine hundred propagules per gram, it's it's one of those things that um, we have it at so that when you open the bag and there's one day left before it expires, you're going to open it up and there's still going to be nine hundred propagules per gram in it. And, and the way that we test for the strength of the mycorrhizal fungi is different than most other companies. There's, there's several ways to, to test the concentration. There's a visual um, method to test it where it's, you can take a product, you dilute it in water, and then you, you take a gram, you look under the microscope, and then you start counting, okay, there's a spore, there's another spore, there's a hyphae, there's a root fragment, and, and each one of those is, makes up a propagule. Um, but the other way, and, and that's a test that's called MIP. And then the other way to test it is called MPN, which is the most probable number. And that's another way to test the concentration and the strength of the product itself, which means that you take the product and you start diluting it by 10 to the negative N power. And so you'll take a gram, then you'll take a tenth of a gram, a hundredth of a gram, a thousandth of a gram, and you'll see at what levels does it still colonize your plant roots. And then you'll know that um, the higher, you know, the, the higher you go diluting it and still seeing, uh, you know, colonization, you know that you have a very vigorous strain of fungi that's still able to colonize your roots. Okay. So it's not just a visual test because when you do visual tests, if you take a, a uh, hyphae, a fragment, which let's say is, is one millimeter in, uh, no, let's call it, let's say one centimeter in length. And then you take that 
right at, at, at one centimeter, you can consider it one propagule. But if you take that propagule and you cut it into a million pieces, if you do a visual test, now you have a million propagules rather mm. than just one propagule. Yeah. So that's an inaccurate uh, test because it doesn't really give you an estimate of how strong the product is. Because if you if you took those million propagules and then you know you applied it and you didn't get colonization, it doesn't matter what Wait, you have this. inside. It. Exactly. So the most probable number is a very it's a much more accurate way to measure the the strength of the inoculant. And that's where we really stand out where the fungi, like I said, that that the type of fungi that we have, which was isolated in the Dead Sea, it's just a very, very vigorous strain of mycorrhizal fungi. That's what makes the magic happen. Amazing. So you just said there about a propagule and what is a propagule. So just remind us, a pro one propagule would be a, a, hyph a hyphae, hyphae. hyphae, a root. Root fragment and spores spore and you need all three for so all three make a uh, can, uh, make a whole inoculum and that's when you have a whole inoculum when you have all three it's um it has a higher infection or mm. inoculation potential yeah um and when you have just spores for instance there's you can manufacture mycorrhizal fungi in two ways you can manufacture them with host plants or you can manufacture them in petri dishes if you manufacture them in petri dishes, you're using sterile uh, sterile techniques. You have uh, mostly carrot roots, which are uh, genetically modified um, carrot roots, so that they don't actually develop, you know, the the shoots, and they just just the roots, and they grow in these petri dishes. Um, but the problem is that it's completely sterile. There's no um, th there's there's no temperature fluctuation. There's no introduction of Micro macro uh, elements, no uh, no watering, no fertilization, nothing whatsoever. It's like a boy in the bubble, and the and then when you go into to, to introduce these fungi to your plants, and they're all of a sudden outdoors, they have to combat you know with with real world elements. The but the but when you do this uh, petri dish method, you can get you know you you know exactly what you're getting because you can really harvest your spores properly. Um, so that's a, a serious advantage, right? But um, the other method is to take live plants and once you have live plants, you're literally, you're fertilizing them, you're watering them, they have temperature fluctuations, light fluctuations. Um, you know, you might have some stuff, you have other microbes in the soil, you have a mul multiple stuff in this soil, which the, the fungi are getting accustomed to mm. and living with. And then you're gonna harvest the fungi from this living plant. And then you're gonna take the root fragments and the hyphae and the spores. And what's very, very difficult, and we've cracked the code on how to do this, is to do it in a very clean and efficient manner and get, you know, the spores, the hyphae, and the root fragments all together at a cost-effective, uh, you know, production nice. method. Well, that's the IP. That's the IP. What's the what? What's the benefits of of all three? So I can guess the hyphae, hyphae. I can guess the spore. Mm -hmm. What's the benefits of, of the root fragments? Of the root fragments. So the root fragments have um, they have arbuscules. Sometimes they'll have spores inside them, and they also have hyphae already growing inside them. So it's like um, when you take mushrooms, for instance, and if, if you 
if you cut a mushroom and in a clean area and then put it on a petri dish, that mushroom will start growing. Same thing if you took a spore and put it on, you know, a few spores and put it on a petri dish, those will start growing as well. So it's uh, the beautiful thing about fungi is that they can uh, reproduce or continue living from multiple things. So from the spore, they'll sporulate again, or from the hyphae, they'll continue growing, or from these root fragments, they'll have your arbuscules, which are where the uh, the fungi store sugars, right? And so when you have these root fragments, you have arbuscules, you have, um, excuse me, the vesicles are where the uh, the root fragments are, uh, uh, where the sugars are stored. And uh, so you have the vesicles, you have the arbuscules. Arbuscules are where the, uh, the sugars from the plant and uh, the nutrients from the fungi are exchanged between the two. So when you have these roots, you have also the hyphae, also the arbuscules and these um, vesicles and sometimes spores also all, you know, in close vicinity and inside the roots. So you're getting all of this in one. That's intense, isn't it? That's a boss explanation. Yeah. That's probably the, one of the best ways I've, it's been explained to me. Fantastic. That. Yeah. And, and it's just, like I said, it, it, when you have all three together, it's, um, we can, you know, consider it the entourage effect. Yes, that's, that's what that, we like. That exactly. That that's that's what we can uh, compare it to. You you get everything, and um, it just increases the, the 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 chances of you inoculating the plant. Now, if we go back to the beginning of what's so special about you know these propagules and you know the what why why you need a high number of propagules is that you're talking about microscopic um, organisms. And if you don't have a large number of them, the chances of colonizing your roots and for you to actually see benefits, the lower the number, the lower the chances are for you to actually see benefits. So the higher the number is, the more likely you are to colonize the roots, the more likely you are to see benefits from this symbiotic relationship between the plant and the fungus. Amazing. I think you've already answered this, but I've had a question and it's probably been a question I've, I've put out there for the last two years. I haven't really had much of an answer back, but I think you've answered it in this I hope, podcast. I hope I can. <laughs> so I think you already have, but I'm going to ask it anyway, just because I ask it all the time. So what came first? The plant exuding the sugars to attract the mycorrhiza or the mycorrhiza attached onto the root and giving the, the, the plant its benefits, which which one came first? Ooh. But I think you answered it by saying that well, the mycorrhiza was the, the first root exactly. system. Exactly, yeah. And then, so what's interesting is that if a plant is in like an ideal, ideal conditions, ideal, I'm talking about perfect, 100%, which is very, very, very rare in my opinion. Yeah. You know, most likely in everybody's opinion, there's always something that's missing or... um. But let's say it's in the perfect ideal conditions. Everything is is available to the plant at the exact perfect levels. The pH is perfect. Everything is perfect. You're in a five-star hotel for the plant. That plant is not going to need anything, right? And so if it doesn't need the mycorrhizal fungi, it's not going to associate with it because it has to give up some sugars or something towards the plant, uh, towards the fungi. But if you're not at ideal conditions and Almost every grower is never at ideal conditions. There's always something. There's always something you're dealing with. Then the fungi can, you know, can associate and the plant will want to associate with the mycorrhizal fungi. I think that's really interesting. So like the plant roots, did it 
exude the, is it right to say sugars? The the the, the carbohydrates. Yep. So did the did the plants exude the carbohydrates to attract the mycorrhiza? Well, they exude, they exude other other chemicals in order to attract it. But once it's already been associated, then they exude these sugars. They provide the uh, the uh, the carbohydrates to the fungi, and then in return, the fungi pull in different nutrients and water for the plants. Uh, so I wonder now, then, if you're saying if a plant in a perfect environment doesn't need to associate with a mycorrhiza, does that mean that it doesn't need to exude the carbohydrates? Or is that just something? Well, that it, w- it, w- it wouldn't exude them to the uh, to the fungi. It might exude them, you know, if there's bacteria in the yeah. in the area. But uh, it exudes it, it it provides the the fungi with these sugars and uh, carbohydrates once it's already inside. So this exchange happens inside the cell. Yeah. And uh, I'll I'll show you photos afterwards, and okay. you, you can look at it. it it's it, in a place called the uh, arbuscules. And it literally looks like uh, like tree branches almost, and that's where the exchange happens. And this happens inside of the cells of the plants, and so, um, but it, it 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 excretes these hormones to attract the fungus, yeah. right? And if it doesn't need the fungus, it won't call on it for help, right? So okay. that's what's interesting. Do you believe that some people call uh, fungi like the telephone? The wood wide web. The wood wide web, yeah. Do you, and then there's people that, th- that say and, and think that they're proven that a tree five miles away is communicating with another tree. Uh, and if one tree or plant becomes under attack, the tree five miles away will know that it, it's the community is under attack and start to produce, um, let's say it's a, a predator eating the leaves it'll start to produce bitter tasting compounds to so that when it gets its leaves eaten it won't it the predator will go away oh yeah it, it happens there's a uh, a scientist out in uh british columbia i think in uh i'm not sure if it's B, i'm pretty positive it's bc in canada uh lady by the name of suzanne i'm not sure what her last name is but she did a ted talk about uh, uh how trees uh talk to each other and the mother plant she has a book um about it, uh, finding the mother tree, yeah, and uh, a few other books also. But she basically showed how she's able; she was able to track nutrients moving from one tree to another tree with the help of this uh, hyphal network. Yeah, yeah. So a plant, five, let's say five miles away, it's got plentiful resources uh, of nutrients through the mycorrhiza network. They can actually sort of transport an area of wealth in terms of nutrients and, and move it across the the plant network to areas where it's not so wealthy in terms of nutrients. And so every tree is getting fed equally. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, over five miles, that's a big, uh, it's a big area, but uh, I think the, the largest organism on the planet was in uh, discovered in uh, Oregon and it's a fungus. It's a a honey fungus, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, Across hundreds of of acres, you're reading my mind. It's like you'll know what questions I'm asking next because <laughs> it. Mo- I love it when most people answer blue whale. No, know, no, ah. like, yeah, <laughs> it's a really interesting fact that I like that the largest living organism organism on the planet is a fungi, 
And how, how do you, can you remember how I can't how far it stretched? I can look it up on Google, but it, it, it's miles, miles, miles upon miles upon miles. Yeah, uh, hundreds, if I'm not mistaken. It's, yeah. It covers a massive area, and this is actually a parasitic fungus. So it's, you know, it'll basically kill everything that's in its path. Yeah, not everything, but uh, a lot of trees. Yeah. Wow. Um, so they're trying to kill the largest <laughs> organism on the planet. I, no, so the fungus, which is the largest organism yeah. on the planet, is a, it's a uh, parasitic fungi, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. So it'll start, it'll attack trees and decompose them and break them. So it's all, you know, there's the balance of good and evil yeah. and all that stuff. Um, but it, yeah. So so this uh, this scientist, she she showed that you know trees are definitely able to communicate with one another. And uh, if if you haven't had a chance to watch Fantastic Fungi, I highly suggest you do. Okay. And there's a bunch of uh, TED Talks that she gave about the subject as well. And she's got books out. And, uh, is there anything good on Netflix? Fantastic Fungi is, is that, out. Is on, that on Netflix? That's on Netflix. Okay, so yeah. Fantastic Fungi on Netflix. I'll be watching that tonight. Yeah, it's a, it's a mind-boggling. I can imagine. Yeah, the, the, it, took, it took the author, uh, not the author, the uh, director about 12 years of filming. Yeah? Yeah, to, to come out with the movie. And I mean, you see mushrooms just in, in super, you know, High speed, um, uh, what do you call it? Stop motion, not stop like motion. Hyperlapse. Hyperlapse. Yeah, yeah you could uh, uh, time lapse. There time lapse. There we go. So you can see it in time lapse. These mushrooms just popping up, and 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 you know, and how he knew exactly where they would pop up, and you know where to place the cameras and all that stuff. It's really amazing. And then you have a bunch of experts from you know micro, uh, mic, uh, mic, uh, mycology experts, not just. Uh, not just mycorrhiza experts, but experts in in multiple fields that have to do with you know fungi. So Paul Stamets is in there, and you have uh, Suzanne. Uh, you have uh, Michael Pollan, who's an author, and it's it's just a fascinating movie. the The filming is just incredible. I'll watch it for that as well. Uh, on that note, though, about the honey fungus and being competitive and killing trees. There's bad fung- fungus as well, and yeah. we'll have them in the form of pythium. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what about the competitiveness of this Interodices and Mosea? Is it easily outcompeted, or if you had pythium, will it will it remove pythium, or will it make it harder for the pythium to take hold? Will, how, how strong is it? So basically, it's um, the the fungi when you introduce them early in the plant's life, and they've already colonized the the plant. It, it acts as a barrier. And kind of it prevents other uh, species from attacking and penetrating the plant and and harming it. So um, we've done stuff where we'll we'll apply the the mycorrhizal fungi to plants, and then we'll place the plants in you know in uh, pythium infested uh, soil <laughs> and, and and see what happens. And and those that have been treated with mycorrhizal fungi will um, you know fare for longer. will fare much better. May even produce fruit. And, uh, you know, without any, you know, pest, Chemicals, fungicides yeah. or anything like that, just with the mycorrhizal fungi. So That's, it really is that important to not only can it resist pythium, which is it, once you've got pythium, it's, it's, it's very, very hard to get rid of it. It's like just drag yourself over the finish line if you can by using whatever methods you can. So if you inoculate early, your resistance to pythium goes through the roof. And people always say, Big, I hate this saying, bigger roots, bigger fruits, because bigger roots also means a bigger organism or a bigger, a bigger thing to keep alive. So the plant has to 
create more energy to keep the root system alive. So you could actually, um, bigger fruit, bigger roots, bigger fruits does my head in. I like better roots, better fruits, or better roots, bigger fruits, doesn't matter. This is definitely creating better roots. It's creating that people love the root ball. This is the unseen root ball really, isn't it? Yeah, and also um, what's interesting is not necessarily bigger the roots, bigger the fruit, but we've had um, better roots in smaller pots yeah. producing more fruits than, you know, bigger, you know, plants in bigger pots. So it's yeah. not necessarily the size of the pot, but uh, what, what happens is if your plant is able to pull in more nutrients, then, you know, you'll be able to produce more, right? Your, yeah. your plants are healthier. They'll, they'll be able to... Uh, just like humans, if you're healthier, you're eating better, you're now starting to uh, ride your bike. You're yeah, gonna, yeah. <laughs> you know, e- eating healthy, you know, you're going to perform a whole lot better also. So that's the exact same thing with the plants. You know, the, If I take some of this, will this help with my cycling? We've actually had people <laughs> ask us if they can eat uh, eat our product, which is pretty funny. I mean, it's the, the carrier is clay and vermiculite. So yeah. if, you know, if you want to... You know, <laughs> chew, chew, chew on some, you know, clay and vermiculite, go for it. But, yeah. Not harmful though. No. No, okay. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> Might give you the shits. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, you know, you probably ate a lot of clay. Yeah. So nothing happened to you, I don't think. But uh, it's not like uh, a lot of people like drink, um, you know, they'll drink different bacteria to get their gut microbiome yeah. very, you know. But uh, it's not the same with, with the fungi, right? So another thing with, with mycorrhizal fungi is that myco right means fungus and rhiza means root so these these mycorrhizal fungi they need roots in order to live like they'll they'll remain dormant if yeah. they don't have roots or die off but the moment you introduce a root and the, that that hormone is sent off and the, the fungus starts traveling towards the root if it doesn't get connected with the root within a certain amount of time it'll just die off because it's if it's a spore it's you know it has sugars inside that spore it has enough energy inside it to to last as long as it needs in a dormant state, but the moment it's sporulated, it needs to come into contact with that root in order to start pulling in the carbohydrates to keep it going and start feeding. Yeah, it's proper living organism, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and, and fungi are much closer to uh, to human beings than they are to plants. Okay. Yeah. More close in terms of DNA structure. Yeah. In term, yeah. So we're much closer to uh, to fungi than we are. Um, to to plants and I like to think of like our uh, um, what's it called our um, our nervous system mm. like how it branches out right yeah, yeah, from the yeah. brain and all over it's like very similar to what a, a uh, what a hyphae uh, highway looks like you know under a microscope yeah mad do you know like you know, always the random facts that I read in books pop up and I don't think it's related to mycorrhizae but it's one of the most interesting facts, plant growing that I've come across. And it's, if you know the inside of a plant cell, you've got your chlorophyll, your chloroplast, your mitochondria. I actually read in a book that the mitochondria used to be a bacteria and that it was, um, it associated itself within a cell. And so also, so a mitochondria used to be a living bacteria associated with a cell and became the powerhouse of, of the plant leaf. And I just think there's so much like untapped knowledge around bacteria and mycorrhizae that it's just, I, I feel like people undervalue it. They just, uh, I, I was reading a, uh, a doctor in Israel who, um, 
he started um, discussing all these different uh, micro how microbes help the body, and there's an organ in in the body which is made up of bacteria, and yeah. it's like a new organ that they discovered just recently. Yeah, yeah. You don't. Do you remember I don't. What it's called? I don't remember what it's called exactly, but it's it's made up of bacteria, and then he. Um, it's literally, you know, uh, it's not a human organism. It's yeah. not a human organ, right? But it's inside of our body and, and our uh, bodily functions rely on this, these bacteria. And go another step further, this, uh, so this, this doctor was talking about how the role of bacteria is so much greater than what we have any idea of and how much um, bacteria can even affect uh, autism. Mm. Yeah. So they've taken mice, uh, perfectly healthy mice and they've taken autistic mice and they've taken the, uh, excrements. So the poo of, of mice and put it into the healthy. Uh, so the autistic mice is, uh, you know, manure into the healthy mice and these healthy mice started showing more autistic, uh, um, characteristics yeah and vice versa when they take the healthy mice uh poo with the bacteria and place it into the more autistic uh, mice they've become less, less autistic yeah oh that's amazing yeah they do that a little bit with humans where they let it's disgusting but they'll get really healthy humans with when i say healthy it's a really good gut uh microbiome microbiome by that's the perfect word gut microbiome and they will literally take samples of the poo and put it into some of these uh, large, small intestine that can't produce these helpful bacteria and it helps to populate their gut flora, is it? Mm-hmm. Or something like the gut microbiome. And that's disgusting. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it just shows you how important it is. And actually they call your gut the second brain, don't they? The second brain of the body. So if your bacteria is off balance, your whole bodily functions, you can feel depressed you can feel low low energy low immune system open to bacteria and viruses just because your immune system's really really low because of a low bacteria when i say to everybody as well is if you have to take a course of antibiotics for whatever reason just go to the shops i don't really condone i don't really believe in actamels and all that for constant think you good healthy diet will do it itself but just take the actamels or take the other gut promoting bacteria i think there's two types isn't there? there's one with the food uh, probiotic i think yeah i've been years since i've done it but probiotic uh is the feed i think prebiotics is the actual bacteria so you've got to take a prebiotic to get you um, to get your gut back up and then take the probiotics to feed them i think that's right so do you know antibiotics i don't know exactly which ones they are i know it's 10 but. years since I studied it as well. <laughs> so it's a little bit rusty, but basically bacteria and mycorrhiza are super important for humans and for plants. For, yeah. And for, you for, the, for the planet, them. you know, not for the planet. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. We're, we're all made up of it. So if you're going to, if it's your first outing for mycorrhizal, you've got no better place to start than Dynamico. We've got there's, to go, no, there, there's no other place to there's start. No there's there's place no other to place to start. Well, <laughs> I mean, if, if you start with Dynamico, that's it. You found your, fr- your, yeah, you found your forever home. But if you've been on the search for a while, you've tried different products and you want to try something else, then definitely. Amazing. Make, what make countries the are you over. in? 
Because we're a global podcaster in America, Canada, Australia. We're sold in uh, the USA, in Canada, in Chile, uh, UK, yeah. Israel, obviously. We're sold in, starting to sell in Germany now and in uh, South Africa as well. Big market. And we're, we're, yeah, we're available in like uh, Trinidad and Tobago and like, you know, some of the small Caribbean yeah, islands yeah. and uh, Guam also. Oh, yeah, nice. Um, that's it. But a, a lot of countries, for instance, it's very, uh, because it's a biological product, you have registrations and different countries require different regulatory, um, forms and conditions, right? So yeah. in order to, uh, to sell a certain product, you're going to have to go through the ministry of agriculture in certain countries and certain countries will require different things. So luckily the UK, um, didn't require any. We're open. Yeah. <laughs> to some stuff. Yeah. Not to the Europeans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we we didn't we weren't required to get registration for Dynamico here, which is super, super um, awesome because we were able to just sell it right away. Whereas in, for instance, in the USA, if you're in Washington, you don't require registration. But if you go down south, you know, you can literally cr- cross the Columbia River and go into Oregon and you're not allowed to sell the product. But if you go, you know, 10 minutes up the uh, that bridge, I forget which bridge yeah. it is, and you're in Washington, you can sell it. Uh-huh. Um, but now we're, we're registered in Oregon, we're registered in California. So the, t- the tough states um, to get registered in, in the USA, we're registered there. And we're working on registrations in other uh, countries around the world as well. Um, New Zealand is one that we're working on. Australia, Australia is very, very tough when it comes to their uh, importation of biological products. So we got to see how we can crack the code with Australia. Uh, The European Union now is working on a new program to allow biofertilizers and the use of uh, biologicals for uh, more organic cultivation of crops. So they're the they're working on a new. a new program which will allow um, biologicals to be available at a much easier, um, w- you know, path than than what it has been up until now. But we're still, you know, we're still up in the air with that. And registration costs a lot of money with yeah. these uh, with these, uh, you know, uh, ministries of agriculture because they want to do. Um, they'll want to do field trials. They'll want to do multiple trials, multiple sites, and all this stuff takes a lot of time and a lot of money. So, um, not a lot of companies have the resources and the funds. And that's why a lot of times, um, the big ag companies end up buying up the small ag companies. Like, you know, the Monsantos end up buying all these small companies Mm. because they have the money to, invest and get them registered and all that stuff. Whereas these smaller companies, which have been focused on, you know, just producing high quality microbes, they don't have all those funds. So it takes a while, but uh, we're definitely looking into um, France and Spain and Italy and, and, you know, making our our way into Europe as, as time progresses, Holland also, of course. And uh, yeah, you know, when, when I started my, my goal was to get, and still is, is to get every single, you know, grower on the planet to use our mycorrhizal fungi. So we're in eight countries right now, I think. And, you know, we're not slowing down. So Amazing. So if you're a shop in the UK, you get the product from High Horticulture. If you're a grower in the UK, 
you go and ask your shop for it. If they don't stock it, tell them to go and get it off highlight. And if they do stock it, then they've got quite a variety of sizes as well. So there'll be a, a good size for whatever scale of grow you are. In America, if you're a shop in America, what's your distributor in America? We work with uh, Left Coast Wholesale and HRG, Horticultural Rep Group as well. And in Canada, we work with Biofloral and Stellar Wholesale. Yeah, I know them. So, yeah, I mean, we, we've got a bunch of awesome distributors around the world. Very, very nice people. That It's one of the best things is is the people that are in, you know. Yeah, in, in the, the little family. Yeah, 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 for sure. And, uh, yeah, multiple sizes from, you know, the small gardener with, you know, two plants in, in a tent, a little tiny tent up to, you know, we have a uh, 20 kilo pail, which can treat up to 4,000 plants nice. for, you know, the large big outdoor fellas, not, not only the large outdoors, but also, you know, the large, uh, indoor yeah, or, yeah. or, uh, greenhouse facilities in California and wherever they are. Amazing. So. The website's on the back of the packet. It is www.dynomyco.com. And what were those? So Instagram is at Dynamico and YouTube uh, Dynam- at Dynamico. Yeah. Go and check out the, the, the three things we want you to do from this podcast. Go and check out the Dynamico YouTube. Watch all the interesting scientific videos. Go and follow them on Instagram at Dynamico. Go and buy some Dynamico. And then there's a fourth bonus, which is get on Netflix and watch. Fantastic fungi. Fantastic fungi. <laughs> That's the one. We're going to wrap it up now. Maybe Ari will guitar us out for, for the second <laughs> guitar solo of the podcast history. But from myself, Stephen, thank you very much for listening. And thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Really thanks, appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. Worth, You're uh, a pleasure. Worth, worth the flight. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been a real nice uh, welcome to, you know, just to come in and be like, oh, we're doing a podcast interview with you. So that's a cool surprise for me. And I always, always enjoy talking about what I do and, uh, you know, how much of an impact Dynamico can have on the world. And it's, it's really, uh, a unique product and it's been a, a joy to you know travel around the world and and introduce it to the world too which it it's it's pretty cool to think that you know four years ago this product didn't exist and now it's sold global. you know global all around the world we sell about um we're selling thousands of units a month on amazon and it's yeah it's it's getting out there to the masses which is really cool and and you know if if we can get one grower to you know, start with mycorrhizal fungi and reduce the amount of fertilizer inputs and, uh, you know, synthetic nutrients that he's using and start going to a more organic, uh, style of cultivation. You know, we've, we've definitely done our share and, uh, in making, you know, the world a more sustainable place and hopefully produce better food or better medicine, whatever it is that, you know, the guys are growing with Dynamico are doing. Amazing. I wanted to ask you if it's okay. Sure. We have, we have not many subscribers in Israel but when I have a guest on with a, that knows the language I'd love you to give a message to our subscribers that listen in Israel תודה רבה שהקשבתם לנו היה כיף גדול להיות אורח כאן ותשלחו הודעה אם אתם רוצים נשמח לקשקש איתכם
Now you're gonna have to tell me what you've said. <laughs> he slated me. He said the fellow with the beard is an ugly bastard, and uh, don't look at any pictures of him. <laughs> I'm the one with the beard over here. <laughs> you are. It's much better than mine. <laughs> I said. Uh, I, I said thank you for uh, for listening to us, and uh, if if you want to get in touch, please uh, reach out and send a message. We'll be happy to uh, to chat with you. Amazing. Yeah. Do you run the Dynamico Instagram? Yep. Oh, great. Yep. So if you've got questions, then fire them into the Instagram. Yeah, you can reach out. Amazing. Uh, at Dynamico, you can follow me if you want. I'm not not as interesting, but mine is Ari. Uh, it's at Ari Dynamico, A R I Dynamico. So you can follow me also. I don't post a lot of stuff, but uh, every once in a while you'll see me with a, a cannabis uh, figure, maybe, or, you know, Jorge Cervantes or Ed Rosenthal or, you know, someone in that community and uh, from, you know, international. And um, I, post you know some stuff uh, from my highlining adventures and yes. outdoor adventures so some cool stuff i'll be following there. for sure <laughs> i will definitely be having you on another podcast i will be doing more research so i can ask you better questions because i think you're a, a wealth of untapped information and i'm going to tap into it. it and i'll speak again to you soon i'm looking forward to uh coming back to uh in in august for uh the summer uh what's summer social the summer social we'll be definitely hooking up because and then and then there's the uh, product earth also which i've yes. heard is a, a great thing so it's i've you know we've been working with highlight for two years now and uh this is the first time i've been able to come out to the uk so it's been uh it's been long overdue and unfortunately there's been you know the whole lockdowns and covid and all that stuff so finally you know with restrictions lifted it was the perfect opportunity for me to come out and it's been worth, you know, totally just now, you know, just with this yeah. interview has been worth the trip. I so. appreciate that. Thank yeah. you very much. And thank you very much for coming on. And we will definitely speak to you again soon. Play us out, Ari. All right. What are we doing? An English or a Hebrew song? Hebrew. Hebrew. I, I like, I like culture. All right. Let's see what we can do. All right, this one's called, uh, in Hebrew, it's called Wounds and Kisses. Oh. See if I can get it. You want to hear me sing it all? <laughs> if you want. <laughs> Bonus. All right, let's try it. My last name is Singer, which is funny. Yeah, so you have to. All right, I'll try it out. Saeem. Fantastic. It goes on for a little bit longer, but we'll call, <laughs> we'll call it a day at that. Thank you very much to everyone listening. I'm sure you've been well entertained by this podcast. And we'll be back again next week for another podcast. See you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye.